1 Samuel chapter 15, just a handful of verses, and I'll read them. I know you've stood for a long time. Samuel said unto Saul, Stay. I'll tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And Saul told him, Say on. And Samuel said, 1 Samuel fifteen seventeen, When thou wast little in thine own sight. When thou wast little in thine own sight. Didn't God make you the head of the tribes of Israel? Didn't the Lord anoint you to be the king over Israel? Didn't he send you on a journey? And said, destroy the enemy. So why didn't you obey the voice of God? Why'd you keep the spoil? Because that was evil in the sight of the Lord. When you were little in your own sight, he made you the head. Just a message from the Lord, I believe, for us. The proportionate God. Now, Father, I pray, speak to all of us your divine appointment. Be manifest in this hour, in this room. I pray in the name of Jesus, if you'd use me, Lord, I'm not worthy for this calling. Only by your blood and your grace can I stand here. I pray, Lord. Put your Bibles down behind you and just lift up your hands to your God. you may be seated it does come at some surprise that while the people of Galilee did not receive Jesus as the Messiah nor did they consider him nothing more than a familiar face, the son of the carpenter, the son of Mary. But that Jesus still did some miracles there. The Bible even says he could do no mighty work, but he did lay his hands on some sick folk and healed them. His ultimate and infinite, think, think, think with me now. His infinite power was present. 
but it was in proportion to their honor. It was limited by their commentary. He did as much as they would allow him to do. John the Baptist had it right. Though many of them heard him, they could not fully grasp the declaration that he made that day. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. He was about six months older than the Lord. And John's purpose was to prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He did so by calling out and exposing the religious order and then by baptizing people unto repentance, but always with an eye to the name of Jesus. And one day, John the Baptist was preaching and Jesus came to him to be baptized of him. Not because there was sin in the life of the Holy One of Israel. Not because Jesus had a need to cleanse himself of any infraction that he might have committed, for he committed none. But Jesus came to be baptized as an example for all who would follow. The decades and centuries, and now of course two millenniums, could not deny the perfect example. Or as the psalmist wrote, mark the perfect man and behold the upright For the end of that man is peace. Jesus was the perfect man. So his baptism was by default, was not by default or confession. It was not by declaration of failure. His baptism was a precedent for all of us. John the Baptist, however, did not see it that way. In fact, he was taken back by the Lord's request. He was not prepared to do such a thing. For John had preached, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes, the latchet of his shoes, I'm not worthy to unloose. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. John knew that he was only a set-up man for the mediator between God and man. And John recognized what so many people today fail to see. John recognized the proportionate God. That's why he said of Jesus Christ, and I quote in John 3 and 30, He must increase, but I must decrease. The more of God means the less of me. If he is to have preeminence and room to be who he is, then I must become less of who I am. He cannot be greater than until I become less than. Otherwise, we will have some healing, some good, Some things, some rejoicing, some deliverance, but his mighty work will be proportionate to the value we put on him. Self is the opposite of God. Self opposes the value of the spirit. Self shrinks the free moving flow of the divine cause. And it brings me to our text where Saul is seen as the first king of Israel. He stands, the Bible says, head and shoulders above all the other men. He begins humble and kind. He would rather hide among the things. God said, your king is hidden among the stuff. 1 Samuel 10, 22. Saul is 30 years old. He's old enough to know right from wrong. He's old enough to understand the gravity of his appointment. Samuel, the prophet, will act as the overseer of Saul's, overseer of Saul's placement. The prophet will respond and stand in the way very much like a pastor will today. It has even been noted among some 
Jewish scholars that Samuel held the image of a pastor over Saul and that he would be the only leader that Saul would ever really know. The kingship will rest upon his life and the Bible depicts the moment as Samuel takes a flask of oil and pours it on the head of Saul. He anoints the young man and then kisses him and says, the Lord has anointed you this day to be the leader of his inheritance. It's a telltale word that will soon be forgotten. The anointing of Saul was not for his own sake. It was not for his own power or his own authority. It was not for Saul's own pleasure. The people, the land, the city, and all the victories will all belong to God. It was God's inheritance to do according to his design. Saul began so well because he was small in his own eyes. He found his footing because he came into the kingdom humble and meek and full of passion for the things of the Lord. He came under the direction of Samuel. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 10 and 1 Samuel 13 that two things happen. They're almost mirrored images of each other in one respect. In both chapters, chapter 10 and chapter 13, Saul is waiting for Samuel to come and make a sacrifice because it was the prophet and the high priest arena to make the sacrifice and the place was the same place, Gilgal. Same place, different times. And in both times, Saul was to wait seven days for the prophet. The first time Saul waited, he had never done this before. He didn't know what to expect, so he just waited. He was patient. He had not let his appointment or his anointing blind him from the need of true submission. Can you hear me now? Because many people are blinded by their gifting and they reject submission. He was little in his own eyes. But the second time, there's a lot of movement in this church. I wish everyone would find a seat. Thank you. The second time, Saul had already spun out of control. He was already failing in disobedience. And instead of waiting on Samuel, he became impatient. And he took upon himself the place for which he was not appointed. In short, Saul became his own pastor. And God cut him from the kingdom. And in the end, there was no room for God. It was all about Saul. It was all about his kingdom, his throne, his battles, the land and his city. And in the end, Saul pushed God right out of the picture. And it could not have been more evident than what we find in 1 Samuel 15. This is what was told about Saul. And I quote, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. Before the sacrifice, he set up his own monument. You see, God had become small and Saul very large. The challenge of the American, may I even say, the apostolic church is before us. Yes, sin is present. It will always be present. There will always be a battle with sin. And the world is pressing. Yes, there will always be a pressing, a darkness of worldliness, both in lifestyle and philosophy that we're always going to have to fight. But flesh, or can I just say self, is perhaps the greatest challenge in our lives. The greater you are in your own eyes, the less he can be in your life. He makes himself so that if there is a victory... He alone wants all of the glory. And if we are so wrapped up in our own talents that he has very little room to bring his anointing, 
That was the story of Gideon. That's why God whittled Gideon's army down from 32,000 to 300. Because when the battle is over, there's no room to calculate the effect of men. It had to be God. Maybe the most frightening question that God ever asked a man was when he looked at Job and asked Job a question. When Job was self-justified and self-absolved, Job, even though he did not curse God, he still was making a mistake thinking that he could justify himself. Job was sinking in the pit of self-justification until God stepped forward and he asked, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? And then he said in verse 4, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Job knew nothing of the founding of the earth. He knew nothing of the limiting sea. He could not grasp the morning light of the dark recesses of the sea and the earth. What about the springs and the clouds, God asked. The rain, the frost, the secret councils, the stars and their influence. Job knew nothing of the order of the animal kingdom. The birds of the sky, read your Bible, or the strength of the horse, or the locust, or the spinning of the earth on its axis. Where were you, God asked. He fills all space and time. God is ever present. He is omnipresent but he has made himself proportionate for us so that if we want him to be all he can be then we must become small less significant first samuel 15 17 although you were once small in your own eyes did you not become the head of the tribes of israel the lord anointed you king that's the challenge today that that we sing songs we got to sing songs for him about him and toward him we cannot sing songs for us or because of us this is not a show this is to entertain the most high god you are not the audience for any choir or for any musician but it is the lord god almighty who reigns who is omnipotent now unto him the king immortal invisible the only wise God be glory and honor forever and ever amen maybe my preaching is a little forward for you but I do ask so I part pardon me if this is somewhat a little bit aggressive or harsh but I do ask you when did it stop being by the spirit and start being by our own intellect here's something you're going to struggle with And your friends are going to struggle with. When did spiritual gifts take precedent over the preached word? We become intoxicated with things that are spiritual. Because that makes us feel important. When did God give to you? And now by virtue of your profound giving, he has a debt on his books. Does God go owe anything to anyone in this house? Does he owe anyone anything here? Have we ever offered something to God so great that he needs to make up the difference just so he can be even with us? When did we earn our own salvation or as if our praise, our church attendance has amounted to something that he is thankful for? Should God be sending out thank you cards for us coming to worship him? I thought it was our privilege and obligation, but it seems that the collective thought of many believers now, they think that they're owed something for the one who bled and died and suffered for our sins. I say, no, let God arise. Let God arise. Let him become great. He must increase. And the only way he can increase is that I become smaller and decrease. He's a proportionate God. It's a twisted mind to think that you did something good. He is and will be great as long as you are not. 
He cannot be great as long as you're great. He cannot be God as long as you have all the answers. It would be better for you to say, I don't know. Than you to pilfer through the categories and the catalog of your mind and think, well, let me just think. I think I got an answer. And make up something that's not even of God. He's God all by himself. And it's okay for you to say, I'm not sure, but I think he knows. I don't know, but he knows. Hey. I'm grateful for all the disciple makers, <laughs> all the Bible study teachers, all the people who deliver the word and words of encouragement. But you didn't save anybody from hell. You didn't pull anybody from hell. That was the blood of Jesus Christ. You were never so profound that by virtue of your authority, you saved the church from falling apart. God did it. He's a great God. He's an awesome God. And he's God all by himself. Hey. And if something did happen, and you got in the way with that, let me just tell you, it was because of him. By him, through him, for him, all about him. I lay hands on the sick, but there is no intrinsic value in my hands. Only my obedience to God's already established word. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It didn't say that you are good if somebody was healed. It didn't say you are right because they were healed. It was always by the blood stripes and the body of Jesus Christ and the broken body of Jesus Christ. See, arrogance is our affliction. Self is our enemy. You think the devil is your enemy? I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't no devil in hell greater than self. I can rebuke the devil. About 10 seconds, he's gone. But if it's flesh, that'll take 10 years. We love to blame the devil when it's not the devil. I pray for the miracle. But the moment I think that my well thought out prayer or good use of words makes up the difference because I was profound and I knew how to say the word dominion with the right inflection that I did something. The moment I think that, then I decrease God's room to be the healer. He wants to be the healer. And I believe that we're going to make disciples. It's our kingdom call. But you better know this full well. You're not going to heal them. You're not going to save them. You're not going to keep them. You never deliver them. You're taking nobody to heaven. At best, hear me everybody, we are a PVC pipe. Which the Holy Spirit can use to flow through. We are a conduit. Used by the king of glory for his purpose and his use. And if you think that he needs you, he's desperate for you. That he cannot accomplish his work or purpose without you. Then know this. Here, pastor, God will have a church. He'll raise up somebody to do what you thought you could only do. Nobody else could do it but you. I'm going to tell you, the most unlikely people in this room and people we never knew. If you don't want your place, God can bring somebody else to do that because he's going to have a church. This isn't your church. You didn't pay for it. You didn't die for it. You didn't bleed for it. He's going to have a body in a church. I want God to be the God that only he can be. I want God to be the God of everything.
great and the only way he's going to be the great God is for us to get small and for us to decrease. I'm thankful that he uses you. I'm thankful that he restores you. But he doesn't need me to get his work done. He doesn't need lineage. He don't need a fifth generation Pentecostal. I hope there are. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the good people, you know, all the, all the people I've been in church all my life, all, all the stuff. You know, I've heard all that. I've heard all that jazz. I'm going to tell you, that's great. But that doesn't make you better. You were still... What is it about people? They grow up in church and their mother's in church and their father's in church and their grandfather's in church and they can quote all the people. I'm going to tell you, you were born in sin, shape and iniquity. You are a dirty, rotten sinner. I don't care if you slept on the pew. I don't care if you were always in church night and day, seven days a week. You still had to be baptized in Jesus' name to wash away your sins. You didn't born, you were not born saved. You were not born righteous. Just because you don't have a tattoo. <laughs> I think I want to convene a, 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 a choir. You got to have a tattoo to get in. Don't get any tattoos. <laughs> but if you already got one, you're in. Because we just want to say, thank God he brought us out. We ain't going to get another one, but thank God he brought us out. I, I shouldn't be here. I wasn't born in this. But God saved me. It was by the blood of Jesus. He brought you out. He saved you. He did it. Nobody did it. You didn't do it. I gotta stand up and say, you better get small. You better decrease. You want the Lord. But I want to ask you, how much do you want him? See, that was the thought of the Jews who thought that God belonged to them. Salvation is of the Jews. No one else could have him. But their efforts were thwarted. It was human efforts. They were carnal. Their ambitions were carnal because they didn't realize. And I got to tell everybody here tonight, I did not build the church. Don't tell anybody that you go to Harpole's church or Brother Harpole's church. Don't ever tell anybody. You ain't going to my church. If you want to come to my church, you got to be at my table at 7.30 in the morning. Please don't show up. <laughs> Lock the door, honey. <laughs> Looking down the shades, oh my God. My pajamas on. <laughs> I'm the priest of my home. I'm not the priest of this church. You didn't get that. Wait a second. I'm not the Lord of this house. I didn't build this church. This wasn't a human engineered type thing. I'm going to tell you something right now. It was God who did it, it was God who does it. It's not good musicians that cause the anointing to flow. I don't care how good the musicians. We got great musicians. But if you've ever had, ever heard an orchestra where, where men and women, precise, beautiful, on track, all of them degree, they're perfect, but they're not anointed. You gotta have anointing, not talent. Anointing is what breaks the yoke. Now what I love, I love 
when we play skillfully and with a loud noise, as David said, and we're anointed. Because the Bible says this, except the Lord build the house. All the laborers, they're building in vain. Except the Lord keep the city. So before you think that it's your sole responsibility to fix everybody's life, hear me. It's not your responsibility to fix everybody's life. You do your part, but you give it all to God. Because when you take it all on you, you think that you're God and you become big and now God has no room to operate. You see, unless the Lord keeps the city, the watchman walketh but in vain. I'm here. I'm interceding for everybody. If it's not for me, I don't know where this church would be. Hear me. God is going to have a church and you can get full of pride. He's going to have a people. But I'll have no room to operate. I ask you, where were you? Where were you? Where were you when he determined the length and breadth of the still ever expanding galaxies? Where were you when he gathered clay in his hands and molded the body and the frame of Adam? And when he got done and laid that clay out, the mud that incredibly enough, through the mud, by his own works of his hands, he made the respiratory system. And out of that mud came the cardiovascular system and the skeletal system and billions of regenerating cells that make up your body right now. Where were you when he called out Satan and crushed his head by the redemption of the cross of Calvary through his blood? He is a proportionate God. He wants to be greater in this house, but he can only be who he is to the extent that you allow him to be who he is. And if we're high in our own minds, he'll be low. If we, pr- if we are praised ourselves, there'll be nothing left for him. And I say that it is the arrogance of our time that will limit his power, not his desire. So I ask you, where were you? Did God have to ask any one of us if it was okay to order time? Did he ever seek your counsel to know how to measure the elements against the seasons? Is he not, uh oh. Is he now under scrutiny to answer people? Why some folks are ill and other people are healthy. Why some have passed away and other people have been healed. Even though we prayed. Is his wisdom or his work ever in question? While our loved ones passed away. Even though they're just waiting to start dancing on streets of gold. And while they're waiting, some people are still questioning questioning the motives of the Lord. What? They're waiting to cast their crowns at his feet, singing, Holy is the Lord God Almighty in a place where millions of years is just but a single drop of water in the ocean of the endless day where the Lamb is a light, where there's no darkness or sorrow or tears or heartache. God is not under question. I'm going to tell you right now, God has it all under control. And before we decide that we know the direction of this body, we are now more equipped to speak than we were before I must ask where were you when he foreordained the church and kept it alive when its earliest members were beaten in the streets and when James the first martyr was thrust through with the sword which brought joy to those who opposed him 
And when Nero tarred and burned the saints as they were tied to large poles in his courtyard, making them human candles to light his garden as they burned alive and cried for deliverance, where were you? And please tell me, all of you who are profoundly pronounced, or you're upset about a position in the church, tell me, where were you when Andrew was crucified on two large pieces of wood made into a large X? And Peter was crucified, but he asked his murderers if they would hang him upside down so that he would not be killed like his Lord for the sake of humility. Or John, who survived being dipped in boiling oil and then banished to an island prison for the rest of his life. I shudder to even think that I might be affiliated with the disciples of Jesus Christ or with the prophets of old who were often stoned in the streets and filleted like a fish before the angry crowd. We, ladies and gentlemen, stand on the shoulders of the saints who were led by the hand of the Lord when they had nothing and they were poor and they were dirt and they had, they had, they had grime and they had things thrown at them. And that was just in this last century. It was always the Lord because it was never by might. It was never by power. It was always by his spirit. And so I say, be great. God, be great. Be the all in all. Be the Lord of this house. Let no flesh glory in your presence. We all bow down before you. The only reason why we're here is because of you. You are God and there's no one else uh, when you read David's writings you got to know what it means when he calls out the plea when he says in Psalm 34 oh magnify the Lord with me he's not saying that you can make God bigger who can make God bigger he's as big as he's always been God is as grand as he will ever be. He has never changed. He is the immutable God. David's saying, we can magnify him in our own eyes. The only way you can make him bigger is not to make him bigger, but make him bigger to you. And the only way he can be bigger to you is if you become less. He must increase. Let me say it this way. The only way he can increase is if I decrease, he must become greater. He must be God. I must be the servant of the Most High God. Somebody ought to say it out of your mouth. He is Lord. There is none else. You are God and I am not. Come on, say it. You are God and I am not. You are great and I am not. You know everything. I know nothing. I'm a pauper standing in the, standing in the palace of the king. I'm a poor man begging, standing in the palace of the king. You are the great savior of the saints. You're the bookends of time. You're the definition of love. You're holy and you are holy and you are holy and you are holy. Now and forever. I'll tell you what's going to kill us. It's arrogance that's going to kill us. It's the know-it-all Pentecostals who think that by tenure you know more things or by gifting it makes you higher than other people. Hold on. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell you something about the Lord. I don't know everything about him. In fact, I know very little about him. But I know this. He won't share his glory with anybody else. He's not going to share his glory with anybody else. In fact, he'll leave this house and go find a place where he can get all the glory. He likes to get the glory. He knows you can't handle his glory. You don't even give him glory because you can't give him glory. It always belonged to him. It was never in your hand. But when you try to take it, you limit him. 
I'm going to tell you right now, you should just say to all your needs, God, you're the God of this sickness. You're the God of this trouble. You're the God of this sorrow. You're the God of this pain. You're the God of all my days. You're the God of all my nights. You're the God of all my struggle. You're the God of my success. You're the God of all my failure. You're the God of my up and my down. You're the God of my, my mountain and you're the God of my valley. You're the God of my home and you're the God of my church. You're the God of my faith. You're the God of my doubt. Hey, 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 you got to confess. He's God. He is Lord. And there's none other. Oh, what if God became God on Sunday night? You ain't never seen him be God like he can be. Oh. refinement is going to be your undoing. Your pride is hindering your revival. Your arrogance is keeping you from the miracle. But if you could ever get your flesh and you could ever drown it out and stomp it out and let God be God, something's going to happen in your life. What if the Lord could truly be all that he is? Take your eyes and look at the screen real quick. God created everything through himself and for himself. Colossians 1.16. He created the world to declare his glory. Psalm. He formed and made man with the same intent. Isaiah 43. He rescued the Israelites for the sake of his name so he would not be profaned among the nations. Ezekiel 20. They, they might have thought it was because they're so good. He parted the waters for them to gain for himself everlasting renown. You think the Lord brought you out because, man, you were so excellent. He just could not live without you. He did it for himself. Does that hurt your feelings? I'll tell you what, it, it messes with our sensibilities. I'm going to tell you about God. He wants to take everybody and bring them out of the miry clay. But when you get on the rock, don't think that you were born on the rock. You were born in the clay, in the mud. You had nothing before the Lord came along. You were a hopeless sinner. You were perishing from cold. When the blessed Savior heard you when you cried. Oh, wait. 
I know congregations right now that would shut me down would not would not ever clap their hands or agree with this because they don't think there's anything wrong with them and they like to talk about themselves they are the selfie church look at how good we've done hear me this building didn't get here because of us it didn't get here because you decided I'm gonna give some money hey I did no you didn't God put it in your hand to begin with and then he gave you desire to give it Because obedience opens up doors that the brain can't figure out how to unlock. And some people still struggle with finances because they've never been obedient to tithing. While God said, put me to the test. I got these big bay windows. They're sliding windows. They're as big as Nebraska. See if I won't pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. Did you think that you gave that because you're so good? And I, Listen, I wanted to bless the church with this. You didn't bless the church. God blessed you. You're just giving back whatever God gave you first. And the moment you think that you did something good, you just made God real small. Well, I work for this. Really? You work for this? Do you know how you can be shut down so quick? Do you know what a stroke, a little aneurysm can do to your body and your life and your job and your well-laid plans and all the stuff you think you've saved? You think that God didn't sustain you? You could be wiped out in one day. Job lost every herd of cattle, every herd of sheep, all the flocks, all of his family, all of his houses, all of his land. Things are burning. Everything was done. And he went from being the richest man in the world to laying in the mud, taking a broken piece of clay and cutting open his boils. But we got people walking around acting like they know something. Now, let me just tell you, I know something about the spirit. Oh, really? Then somebody tell me how the blessed saints are often taken on to glory even after we pray. And the vile sinner has more strength than they ever had. You tell me. I'm going to tell you right now, you're never going to understand it. God just said it rains on the just and on the unjust. I'm the Savior. I'm the God. I'll do all of that. You don't even get to sit on the throne of judgment or justice because that's the Lord's doing. He's God. There's no other God. You're not a God. You're not a God. You're not a God. You're not the Lord. You're not intellectual enough to be like God. You don't have enough talent to be like God. My wonderful friend who can play with all ten fingers, who can spread out the piano. And sometimes he would sit at home and he would put his hands on the kitchen table. And without a piano, he would just, he would put his hands on that hard surface of that wood. And he'd figure out chord charts and write it down. And in his mind, he could figure out all of those chords. And when he got ill, finally at the end of his life, the first thing that went were his fingers. And they locked up. He couldn't hardly straighten it out. Because he used to make that octave. And a couple keys more. I'm going to tell you right now. Your body will waste away. But if you'll just give God glory. Don't trust 
your own strength because some trust in horses and some trust in chariots but we will remember the name of our God he parted the waters just to make himself renowned he placed Pharaoh in leadership he placed the enemy in leadership that's really you're, you're, you're troubled by that he put leaders in your life, bosses in your life. <laughs> Just to create for himself the opportunity to display his power and so his name would be proclaimed in all the earth. Go ahead and read it. Exodus 19. He makes a new covenant with his people, promising them a new heart and a spirit. Why? Not for the sake, not for their sake, but for the sake of his holy name. Ezekiel 36. He guides them in paths of righteousness. How? For his name's sake. He delays his wrath for his own name's sake, for the sake of his praise, and he will not yield his glory to another. Isaiah 48, 9, 11. For the sake of his righteousness, he made his law great and glorious. He has exalted his name and his word above all things for his praise. He blesses his people. So his ways and saving power may be known among all nations so all nations will praise him. He didn't bless you just for your own sake but he did it so you could say to everybody God is great. How'd you do it? I didn't do it. God is great. How'd you get it? I don't know how I got it. God is great. That's why there are people in this house that have jobs for which you are not qualified to hold. You are holding positions, but you don't have the degree. I'll tell you why. Because God is great. And he's a proportionate God. more but I'm done I'm just wondering if anybody in here would just make him greater greater and make yourself less oh oh You ought to confess with your own mouth, Lord, I'm only here by your grace. I only got here by your grace. I didn't plot my way. I'm not going to plot my way into heaven. It's only by your grace. Somebody in here ought to thank God that his mercies are brand new every morning. Otherwise, you would just be burned up. That's the Bible. In whatever way you, you feel is appropriate for you and what you can do, I want you to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. I want you to humble yourself before the word and the preached word of God. I want you to confess with your mouth, Lord, I've tried to figure out things by myself. I've not been praying. I've not been seeking your face. I've not been listening. I've been calling people and texting them. And I've been on the Facebook trying to figure out the answers. When all along, you are the answer. You are my portion, Lord. My problem never goes away. I will praise you so that your name would be great. And so that the heathen and the world, the sinner, the unbeliever, the doubter will know there's still praise in the mouth of the people who call themselves after you.
I'm calling this whole church to an altar of repentance tonight. We're going to repent tonight. We're going to repent. If you don't think you have anything to repent of, repent of that. Come on, we're going to repent. Forgive us, Lord, for the spirit that's inside of us that's contrary to your glory. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking that we know when we do not know. The Lord never left you. He never forsook you. He never abandoned you. Come on, you ought to recommit everything you've got in your life to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Forgive us, Lord, of spirits that are contrary to you. Forgive us, Lord, of thinking that we did something. We didn't do anything. If we opened up our mouth and anything profound came out, it's because you put the words in our mouth. You gave us the mental acuity to speak those words. If we can sing, Lord, you gave us the talent to sing. If we could serve, Lord, you made the availability. And it's for your glory, for your praise. We magnify your name and not our own name. This is a house of worship. This is your house of worship. You are the Lord. You are the head of this church, Lord. It's for you. It's by you. According to you. If you can do it, take a knee. If you can do it, take a knee. And just be on your face for a moment before God. If your body can, can do it, if your hips are not bad, your knees are not, take a knee and be on your face before God. And say, oh God, I've got to have you, Lord. I call on you now, Lord. I call on you now, Savior. I call on you now, Savior. You are the Lord, and there is none else. Let the things that I think about be on you, Lord. Let my mind be stayed on you. And let the meditation of my heart not be on the things of this world. But let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Let the things that I say glorify you. You're the Savior, there's none else. You're God and there's none else. You're holy, Lord. I strive to be like you, Lord. I've not attained, but I press for the mark for the prize. I'm pressing for you, Jesus. I'm following you, Lord. I'm trying to follow you, Lord. Oh, God. I pray, be the God of this house. Be the God of this church, Lord. Be all God. Oh Lord, help us. It's your power. It's your presence. It's your wisdom. All perfect good gift comes down from the Father of lights. It's you. It's about you. It's about you. It's about you. It's not about me. It's about you. I don't want to proclaim myself. I proclaim you. I don't want to tell anybody about myself. I want to tell them about you. People don't need to know about what I do. They need to know about how good you are. Help 
Help me to decrease, Lord. I decrease. You must increase. You must increase. You must increase. We're not worthy, Lord. We can't even untie your shoes. We're not worthy, Lord. We're not worthy of one single blessing. We're not worthy to have a building. We're not worthy to have clothes and cars and jobs and houses and families. We're not worthy to have this house, Lord, to worship in. We're not worthy to feel your presence, Lord. All the worth goes to you. You are worthy. The only reason why we're here is because you made us worthy in your blood. We didn't do it by ourselves, Lord. I didn't do it by myself, Lord. You're the God of every dark, dark valley, every unknown. You are God.